personally, my favorite place to go and get away from people are state and national parks. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true state park horror stories. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, be sure to sit back, relax, and prepare for some scary and allegedly true state park horror stories. This story takes place in May of 2016. I went camping with my boyfriend at the time, who we will call D, and another couple who I was friends with. We decided to drive down to a place called Point Lookout State Park, located at the southernmost point of Maryland. It was a rather large campground with three separate loops of campsites. Two loops were in a more wooded area, while the loop we stayed at was directly on the water. Our loop was also less crowded, with only one other tent set up. I should mention that Point Lookout State Park is a very flat piece of land on the Chesapeake Bay. Much of the place being marshland, there is also a neat little lighthouse that's very old that's not too far from the loop as well, probably no more than a short drive. Anyway, I did not look up anything about the area before going. I was simply happy to have a little vacation as I was going through a hard time in my life at the time. We pitched camp at the most perfect spot on the loop. It was directly on the water but far enough from the road to not be seen by other people. With a curtain of tall grass guarding the view from anyone else, basically the perfect spot to drink and smoke weed without being bothered. This was my first time camping and D was not very into it either, so we pitched a pathetic and loose tent but it did not matter since we were barely in the tent except to sleep. We walked around and checked out the area for a bit, walking through the camping loops in along the shoreline. The area was very nice. The whole area just gave me a slightly weird feeling though. I cannot quite describe it. Like a solemn silence that also felt very... heavy, if that makes sense. At one point, I broke off from the group to use the bathroom facility as I was walking along the trail, I swear I see a large, I mean huge, terrapin tortoise walking across the path directly in front of me. As it walked, it kind of made eye contact with me and did not break it. It was not terribly strange, but, again, it just felt off. When I came out of the bathroom, the tortoise was gone, even though it was walking extremely slow. The first night was rather uneventful, besides the extreme wind that blew through the park. As I said, this state park is located right on the bay on a very flat land, so it is a frequent experience. Unfortunately, since I pitched the most mediocre and loose tent, it blew around all night and felt like we were going to lift from the ground and it was going to take us with it. I did not get much sleep that night. On the second day, we decided to explore the old lighthouse. It was their spring season, so they had open tours for a few hours during the day. There was a tour guide who gave us the history of the house and gave some cool facts about it. One thing the guide seemed to breeze right over though, it stuck with me, was that the man who built the house, along with the next two owners, died very shortly after living in the house. The guide treated that little fact like it was nothing. We continued to hike, 
drink, smoke, and do all the other camping shenanigans, having a wonderful time. It was time to go to bed, and this is where things truly begin to get strange. This night was not windy at all. In fact, it was dead silent. Not a comforting silence, but an eerie silence that puts you on edge. I eventually got to sleep quickly despite this, considering I barely slept the previous night. Not long after I sunk into a deep sleep, Dee wakes me up, looking concerned. Babe, did you hear that? He asked. No, I was asleep. What happened? I asked back. He replied, I heard someone yell, Hey, outside our tent. I think there's a man outside. I did not think much of it at first. I thought it was just the other couple talking to each other since their tent was pretty much right next to ours. But then I heard our friend snoring. They are the loudest snorers I have ever met in my entire life. The other loops could probably hear them from here, which meant they were fast asleep and obviously not talking to each other, or us. Honestly, I was a bit skeptical that Dee even heard anything. We were drinking and smoking all night, so it could have just been paranoia. That is, until I heard the footsteps. They were circling around our tent, the sound of heavy boots making their way along the gravel. The steps had a little clinking sound to them, like one of those old-time steel boots. This was no paranoia. We both looked at each other and thought who the hell was at our tent and what did they want. The mesh window of our tent was open, and we could see outside around us. We watched above and around us, following the sound of the footsteps with our eyes, but never actually seeing a person. I got chills until the sound made its way back down the path and eventually disappeared. Dee and I both looked at each other and just said, What the hell was that? We left the next day as planned and we told our friends what happened. They were fast asleep and did not hear anything. Which is not surprising. Those two could probably sleep through a tornado. This is where the story came together. When I got home, I decided to research the state park. Suddenly, everything made sense. Point Lookout was once a Civil War prisoner camp. Buried all around the park were the bodies of Confederate soldiers. The prison housed prisoners in horrible conditions and was constantly overcrowded. There are stories of torture at the camp and even in the basement of the lighthouse. The ghost sightings are abundant from others, many stating that they have heard or seen people walking and patrolling the area, even questioning some of the park guests. I was convinced that it was what we experienced that night. The sound of heavy boots and the loud hey seemed to match the other descriptions. There are also stories of people seeing a woman walking along the shore of the beach. She comes up and asks people where her headstone is and if they can help her find it. Turns out, there was a woman who was buried in a nearby cemetery whose headstone was in fact stolen. It was found in a hotel in Washington, D.C. some 50 years later and was never put back. I can only assume that she is going to walk the shoreline until they put it back if they ever do. Anyway, I really want to go back now that I know the history of that park. For anyone who has been to Point Lookout, have you ever experienced anything strange there? I would love to hear some more stories. Thanks for sharing my story on your show. Hi Swamp Dweller, my name is Seth. During the summer of 2020, I moved to the South Georgia area near the Okefenokee Swamp. There are tons of alligators and snakes everywhere here. In case some people may or may not know, 
It is the biggest swamp in the United States as it corners the southeast part of the state and into northern Florida. Anyways, my house sits on the edge of a canal, which is about 10 miles from a state park. Nothing but deep forests surround the four-bedroom house. Plenty of late nights I can hear gators hissing from the water as I sit on my back porch. The porch sits alone on the upper floor right above the main level porch. It has no stairs, so I'm at a safe distance away from any of the wild predators that could be lurking around, like black bears, coyotes, hogs, and from what I hear, the occasional jaguar. One night I am on the porch having my second beer, and I hear something from an echo. It was coming from the water and it sounded like a loud wailing creature. I thought to myself, this is fresh water. What on earth would be in the swamp that could sound like that? Is there something in the swamp that I don't know about? The creature got closer to my house as it made its final sound. That is when things got extremely quiet. All the crickets and frogs came to an abrupt stop. That is when I tensed up. On my table was my spotlight, so I grabbed it and shined the light directly into the water where I had been feeling the creature would be. I saw something tremendous, but I could not see the creature. I saw a huge wake of water rising as I stood up in fear. My chair falls off its legs. Whatever this thing is, sure was not an alligator. Not even a full-length, 12 to 14 foot adult could do what I was witnessing right now. I've hunted plenty of gators with friends during the season. I've never heard of anything else that lives in the swamp that could be like this. I get more frightened the more I think about it. About a week later, my buddy asked me if I wanted to go hunt more gators. It was a tough decision for me, but as much as I love gator hunting, I finally said yes and asked my wife if it was fine. She gave me the approval since she did not have any plans for the day, and we headed out into his boat. We began the day by checking the crawfish traps that he had set up as I started to load the rifle and put all 40 gator tags in the box. I had told him about last night and asked if he had ever heard anything like this or had some sort of experience similar. He stopped the boat before we got to the fifth trap, and he said that he had lost a relative to this so-called creature about four years ago on a late night that nobody has ever been able to explain and nobody has ever seen this thing. But... The sound that it makes is the same thing that I heard that night. The way he explained it almost gave me chills. I felt so bad for his loss though, as he started to tear up a little and I told him how sorry I was. He never spoke about it after that, but we had a great day catching over 100 pounds of crawfish and 13 gators from 9 to 11 feet long. It was quite an impressive day for us. Later that night, he wanted to go back to the water to catch some frogs. This is when it happened again. I went with him with my 30 aught rifle, just in case. I could not let him go alone, but at the same time, I was fearing for our lives as we got into the boat and the water. The creature was at a greater distance this time from its echo, so we tried to hurry and catch up to the 20 frogs that we needed to meet our goal. We could hear the creature getting closer and making huge splashes yet again. We did not waste any more time to stop and hurriedly caught the last few frogs. As soon as we caught the last one, we turned the boat engine on and scrambled out of the area. He gave me half of all the catches he had. Our family and friends had a feast the next day. We decided to never go catching frogs that late ever again. We still don't know what this creature was, but it still haunts us to this day.
Hello Swamp Dweller. This story took place in December of 2020 in the Cadora State Park of Pennsylvania. My friend, who I will call Rob for privacy's sake, invited me to go to his property, far into our state park. We were celebrating New Year's Eve by playing manhunt with a bunch of our mutual friends, late at night. It was pitch black, but none of us were afraid. To add to the manhunt, we blared some music so the hunters could not hear hiders moving. We regretted that very quickly. Rob and his boyfriend ran off while I and my other friend Lee heard them walking towards a rough path blocked with thorns and loose dirt. We counted to 30 before ignoring the other players and going straight for where we thought Rob was. With the blaring music, I was a hunter who had to really hone in on the sounds. I lead Lee deeper through the path, tripping a couple of times as we sprinted through the footsteps that we heard earlier. We came to a cross section and heard the footsteps now separating. Dumbfounded, I and Lee just stood there and looked around. Now I know my friends very well. They do not pull dumb pranks in the woods. They don't really try to scare people in case of being shot. Rob is a tall guy, but what I and Lee saw peeking around the tree was easily seven feet tall or taller. The encounter did not last very long as this thing sprinted away as soon as I locked eyes with it. Lee and I stayed silent and said nothing. Eventually, we got to about 30 yards away from where we saw it, and then we began to say, You saw that too, right? Lee said the same thing as me at the same time with confusion and fear in his voice. I just silently nodded, and we walked back to the meetup point and sounded the air horn to bring everyone back. We told them what we saw, and Rob said it was just him behind a tree, and everyone calmed down. Later that night, though, Rob pulled me aside a little bit panicked and told me the truth. He was never behind the tree. He was just as scared as us and wanted to calm everyone down, so we quietly leave the woods. He claimed it might have been a Bigfoot, but personally, I do not think it could have been because it was very skinny and lanky. I know this was long-winded and probably not very scary, but it is truly a weird and interesting story to share. This happened to me during my yearly campout at Lake Texoma in North Texas. The lake itself was built during the Second World War using mainly German prisoners of war. It sits outside the Texas-Oklahoma border and covers roughly 89,000 acres and sees about 6 million visitors on an average year. It is, to my knowledge, still one of the biggest reservoirs in the country and my favorite place to spend my birthday. Every year, the week before or after spring break, I load up my camping supplies into my car and make the 30-mile drive. My usual place to set up is Eisenhower State Park, located on the Texas side of the border and just happens to be named after Dwight D. Eisenhower, the famous World War II general and president who was born nearby. The cool thing about the park is that, for a small fee, I can take my pick of spots that offer running water and electrical connections. Although, I normally camp in a relatively traditional manner, having access to power nearby can be convenient. Perhaps the best part of camping, so early in the season, the temperatures are still reasonable. You could go out as little as two months later and already be nearing 90 plus degrees during the hottest part of the day. This also means there are far fewer other campers in the park. I've been visiting the lake since before I can remember, honestly. As a matter of fact, one of my earliest memories is me bawling my head off and holding my bloody foot that I hurt 
My dad sped our boat to shore for me to go get medical care, after stepping on a broken bottle. We all wore shoes in the water after that from then on. In all my years of going out there, I had never heard anything about wild packs of dogs roaming the area. While groups of wild pigs have been an ever-growing problem in our state, wild dogs, not so much. Or maybe that is just my ignorance showing and it is a bigger deal than I'm aware of. Whether it is or not, I was not expecting what happened my second night. I believe that evening, no one else was within a mile of my camp. It was just starting to get dark, and I walked a few feet down to the water. Oftentimes, I would sit on the shore and watch boats across the lake with a cup of coffee and enjoy the calming sounds of the waves looking lightly at the shore. It had not gotten completely dark yet, but the shapes I noticed approaching me were unidentifiable. As they grew closer, I could make out the shape of two dogs walking slowly down the shore. I figured they belonged to another camper and called out to let them know I was there. As the seconds passed, no answer came and the dogs continued to get closer. While I am not, nor have I ever been afraid of dogs, I do practice common sense measures with those I am unfamiliar with. When they were within about 10 yards of me, I see three more dogs of varying sizes come down the cliff at an angle and join the other two on the bank. My caution was beginning to shift into fear. Odds are that if a group of dogs forms a pack without the moderation or influence of a human, they become feral and can be very dangerous to any people they meet. I was honestly the only person on this night that I've even seen around the area, and I definitely didn't want my night to get any worse than it already was. Running away would just engage their prey drive and I would be run down and mauled for sure. With no other choice, I stood still as they approached me. The two larger dogs I had seen first began to smell me. I did not move or pet them as they did so. While the leader sniffed, the other dogs began to surround me and walk slowly toward me. Even if I had never feared dogs before, this freaked me out. During this whole interaction, I did my best to not identicate that I was scared. But the closer the three came, the more nervous I grew. Things would come to a head when I felt one of them bump me on my back. I did the worst thing I possibly could have and jerked away. This was all the pack needed to begin attacking me. Each of the leaders had grabbed me, one on the hand and the other had a mouthful of my leg. The rest had ganged up and took a firm grip on my right leg. This was not some rough play either. I could tell they were trying to pull me down to the ground. I quickly lost my balance and dropped to one knee, but fortunately for me, I had a makeshift walking stick in my right hand and used it to break my fall. One of the leaders used this as an opportunity to go for my face. However, I foresaw something like this and jabbed it with my stick before it reached me. This gave me the time I needed to get myself back to standing mode. With a firmer stance, I started jabbing at the others. A few let go and backed off, only to renew their attack seconds later. Rage and frustration began to take over me, and I started swinging wildly at them. Here and there, I would hear a screech come from the darkness until finally, the assault ceased. I stood my ground and waited for it to begin again, but the pounding of my heart was all I could hear. To be safe, I walked slowly back up the hill to my camp, watching the whole time for any movement in the darkness. When I reached it, I turned up my lamps and searched for wounds. My left hand was bloody after washing it. I could see that it was not that bad. The bad bites were to the back and sides of my calves. The best I could do was clean them up and wrap them up until I could get to home. 
The gates did not close until 10 p.m. that day, so the ambulance was able to scoop me up and get me to a hospital rather easily. I spent the rest of the evening getting treated. Among the procedures was my first set of rabies shots. I was overjoyed to learn the procedure is far less extreme than it was when I was a kid. Although, you still must get the vaccine over several appointments, science has made major strides in this area. The following morning, I called a friend to pick me up and take me out back to my camp. I obviously needed to go down there and break down everything. I made sure to notify the office about the attack, but I do not know if anything was ever done. I watched the evening news and checked the papers for two weeks, but nothing about the dog packs or my attack was ever mentioned. For all I know, the decision was made to handle the problem quietly and avoid any hits to the coming tour season. The last few times I have camped there since the attack I have not encountered any feral dogs, so perhaps that it was just a one-time thing. My running with the dogs motivated me to finally get my license to carry a handgun though. It was something I had been wanting to do since the law was passed, but I could never justify it to myself. In addition to carrying while about and about in the public, concealed to prevent any problems with the general population, I am legally allowed to bring my pistol along with me when I go camping. Since I believe self-protection is a right, I probably would have had it with me whether it was legal or not, but thankfully, I do not have to take that chance. My goal by sharing this story is not to create fear among others who would love staying in the outdoors and especially our lovely state parks. I simply want to remind people that even in places when we feel comfortable, the unexpected can happen. So, if you are ever visiting Texas, I highly recommend Lake Texoma and the attractions around it. Just be sure you wear your life jacket when you are on the water, do not drink too much, and keep your eyes open for the creatures who share the land with you. Whether they are rattlesnakes or feral dogs, one misstep or loss of concentration could really ruin your day. In the fall of 2016, a friend and I decided to go hiking late in the afternoon in a densely wooded wilderness area in a state park in the mountains not far from Fayetteville, Arkansas. My friend Rick was close to 60 at the time and recovering from a triple bypass he had undergone around 16 months earlier. We had been hiking this and other trails for about a year following his operation to strengthen his cardiovascular health. That day, a weekday, I hiked with a bottle of water, my wallet, and my keys, but nothing else. Nothing to protect myself. The trail we picked was popular and usually had a lot of people hiking on the weekend. We have hiked this spot dozens of times before. We were both comfortable with the hike and had never had any problems on the path, or any other for that matter. While Rick is older, and at the time a little feebler after his health problems, I was in my mid-40s, well over six feet tall and in fairly good shape, so was not very worried about our safety. The trail we were on is in a state park adjacent to federal parkland. It is an outdoor enthusiast's dream most of our trek that day was completely uneventful. We just enjoyed the autumn leaves and chatted casually as the sun dropped lower in the evening sky. We had seen nobody else that day, which was probably to be expected given that we chose to hike late afternoon on a weekday. We had completed about four miles of the six mile loop and up to that point, it was an uneventful time as any other. On our way back to the car and about two miles away from the parking area, we spotted someone. We saw them through an opening in the trees. I saw a young woman, 
probably a college student on the trail ahead of us, moving in our direction. At first, I paid her extraordinarily little attention. As the distance between us disappeared, that changed. I did not know her, so I could have been mistaken, but there was something about her posture and expression that just seemed off. As she got closer, it struck me that she had a semi-panicked look on her face as she was moving quite quickly. She was in athletic gear, so maybe she was just booking it for some cardio. She occasionally turned her head and stared over her shoulder, though. I followed her eyes and eventually noted another human about 50 yards behind her walking up the path through the trees. This second woman was not wearing any hiking gear. In fact, her clothing struck me as totally inappropriate. It was a warm afternoon, and we were well inside a wooded state park, a couple of miles from any homes, but she was wearing semi-formal, offish casual attire and a light jacket. I thought the clothes must have been secondhand because they were tattered, ill-fitting, and did not look washed at all. She was fit and athletic-looking, who could not have been more than 25 or 30 years of age. It was so bizarre. The clothes were wrong for the trail, and they were wrong for someone her age. Everything was off about her. Her shoes struck me as odd, being even more peculiar. When she got closer, I noticed she was wearing scuffed leather flats, casual shoes with no ankle support. I found it completely odd because you do not just see people on trails dressed as she was, and you never see them wearing shoes like that. My hiking partner, Rick, had not noticed anything apparently, as he was completely involved in the conversation and just kept on talking. The second woman briefly glanced up and made eye contact as she neared us. The alarm bells went off in my head like no other. There was something in her eyes that made me feel uncomfortable. I do not know what she was thinking if I am being honest, but I swear, she had contempt in her face. Part of me wondered if I had offended her by staring, so I diverted my eyes and kept walking. I tried to tell myself that maybe she was homeless, maybe she was just wearing the only thing she had, and I was just being rude. But the warning bells were still going off in my head like sirens. I am not a paranoid person at all, so having a sixth sense go off in my head left me very unsettled. I have fantastic peripheral vision, so I turned my face toward Rick and acted like I was listening to him, but I was watching the creepy woman out of the corner of my eye. The moment we passed, she spun her head around to study us. She slowed her pace a bit. My internal alarms grew louder. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw her come to a stop and drop her face toward the ground. Her body half turned on the trail. It was very odd behavior. Rick and I kept walking for about 50 yards further. We made it around a bend in the path and I looked back at the woman before the trees obscured her from view. She was just standing there. Her face was down but she was staring a hole through us in the corner of her eyes. That was the first time I realized that I could not see her hands. One was inside her jacket pocket and the other was hidden from my view on the other side of her body. It creeped me the hell out. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. For half a mile, I did not see her again and had begun to wonder whether the first woman, the co-ed, had felt danger as well. Clearly she had, I thought, and that is why she practically was running through the woods at dusk. It also struck me that the creepy woman had stopped and studied Rick and me like she was deciding whom to follow. We were not moving as fast, we were walking as quickly as Rick could manage, and he was clearly feebler than the co-ed. Those thoughts amped up my senses, and I still felt uneasy. 
so I periodically checked behind us. At certain points through the woods, I could see more than 100 yards, and I never saw anything. I began to worry about the co-ed. My hair stood up for a second time as I felt the strangest sensation of being watched. Again, thinking I was paranoid and half mocking myself for being afraid of the creepy woman, I turned my head around to assure myself she was not there. I was wrong. She was there, following with her head down and moving briskly about a hundred yards behind us. But with her hands hidden, I turned my head back to the trail in front of us and we kept walking, still trying to convince myself that there was nothing out of the ordinary happening, that I was just being rude because she was dressed like a homeless woman. About 200 yards further along the path, I turned my head back to Rick and my heart raced a bit. She closed the distance by half or more. Each time we would walk around the bend in the woods obscured her location, she would emerge much closer to us on the next opening. I told myself that I was just being paranoid, but nevertheless trying to get Rick to pick up his speed just a little bit. By this time he was clearly aware that we are being followed and he was uncomfortable as well, though to his credit he did keep talking. With a half mile to go before we reached the parking area, I turned my head once again and she was just 10 feet behind us. I had not seen or heard her get that close, and it freaked me out. I literally jumped out of my skin. One of her hands was in her pocket, and the other was behind her back. I got the distinct feeling that she had a weapon of some kind, and that she had no fear of me even though I was considerably taller, albeit several years older. There was no mistaking her demeanor. She meant to do us harm, or at the very least she intended to intimidate us. I weaved my car keys between my knuckles in my right hand. I handed my water bottle to Rick and made an obvious fist with my hand. With a half mile left in her hike, I thought to myself, if this is nothing, she'll pass us and move on, as clearly she is moving a lot faster than we were. I was accustomed to people overtaking us when I walked with Rick, but she did not pass and never acted like she knew we were there, which was the creepiest part. I kept my head turned toward her as I walked and tried to get her to make eye contact, but she did not look me in the eyes at first. She kept acting like neither Rick nor I were there on the path, just a few feet ahead of her. She had slowed to follow closely behind. I was completely unnerved and that made me angry. I wanted her to see how upset I was and to convey with a look that messing with me was a mistake. When she finally did make eye contact with me, I glared with clenched fist. There was an instant where I could not read her expression. She was simply blank, but as she studied my face, she appeared to be simultaneously agitated and a little less confident. I was conveying one thing in the look of my face, back the hell off, and at this point I did not care if it appeared rude. She apparently thought better of whatever she was doing and slowed her pace so that the distance between us began to grow to about 20 feet, but she was tense and kept whatever she had in her hand very closely hidden behind her back. I never saw her hands this entire time. I know she had to have some kind of weapon, and I believe that she meant to do us harm, but I also know she recognized that I was ready to fight. I was mentally preparing to charge at her if I saw a gun or a knife, as I knew Rick could not outrun her. I thought to myself, I might just surprise her. I also realized that I needed to have her in front of us. A few hundred feet further, about a quarter mile away from where we were parked, she's still stalking us, and I had had enough. I was in equal measures afraid and furious. I told Rick that we were going to stop and let her pass, loud enough for her to hear it. 
Just as I was getting ready to stop on the trail and make her walk in front of us, she veered into a small clearing, plowing through the waist-high brush, crossed a ditch, and scurried through a tree line of trees to a road that ran through the woods and between the main road and the parking area. I kept my eyes on her the whole time. She had a car. It was parked alongside this little service road partially hidden by shrubs, not in the parking lot. The last time we made eye contact just before she climbed into her car, it was clear from her expression on her face she was incredibly angry. I glared at her, expressing my own anger, but kept walking. When her car started and she drove away, Rick got quiet before asking me, What in the hell was she doing? Did she have a gun? I told him I did not know. I never saw a weapon. We walked back to our car without saying another word. Once the engine was on and the doors were shut, we chatted a bit more about this weird situation and decided to call the authorities and report the incident. Just to make sure that they have it on record and to maybe have them check on the poor co-ed who had passed us first. To this day, I have no idea what that creepy woman was doing and what she was planning on doing to us. Maybe she was going to rob us, harm us, scare us, I have no idea. I am just thankful she decided better of it. I have hiked that trail more than 50 times since then, and I've never seen her again. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true state park horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in its algorithm, and that's super helpful to me. If you're new to the channel, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video, as I upload them almost every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as that helps me out a ton. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's a state park story or something else out in the great outdoors, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, and want to still listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free and always will be. If you guys would like to support the swamp outside of hitting that like button, giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, and maybe subscribing, check out the merch store. I've got everything from t-shirts to face masks, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.